On. Okay. There. All of them? Nobody? Man, I had an awesome prize set, up, set aside for you. And some of them were a little tricky. Well, welcome. It's great to have all of you. Happy Fourth of July to you and your family, to everybody. Uh, and I want to just say a shout out to the people online because we got a lot of people traveling. You know, we got some members that are in Europe. We got members that are in uh, different states. Uh, some are in Hawaii. Okay, so try not to struggle with envy or bitterness. Uh, I, I'm working on that. You know, some of you are on the beach watching the live stream of the service. Okay, I'm working on it. But uh, you're here in the room, and you're blessed because you get to be a part of uh, a really special 4th of July celebration here at Lighthouse Church of Christ. If this is your first time here, I want to welcome you. Uh, it's really awesome to have you here. I hope you can learn more about what we're trying to do as a church to influence and help our nation be better uh, as a church. So I want to start out uh, with showing you guys something uh, before we begin our message. Anybody know what this is right here? It's a HVC, a HVAC filter, okay? So uh, we don't normally do this at church, but if you haven't changed this in your house in a while, we want to recommend that you do that. <laughs> Some of your filters are gray. Some of your filters at home are green. Some of your filters at home are black, and you need to change it. No, what I want to talk about today is uh, every single one of us here today has a filter, okay? We have a filter. It's right here in our mind, okay? So I got to get this out of the way in the beginning because we're going to talk about our country and we're going to talk about different positions. Uh, every preacher, every pastor, every evangelist knows this, that people have mental filters because they'll send an email or they'll send me a message or they'll pull me aside after and they'll say, hey, didn't you say this? In your lesson, I said, no, I did not say that. No, I heard you say, no, you, you heard me say what you said because you have a mental filter. Okay, so I want to just go ahead and say today, right now at the outset, that you remove your MSNBC filter, your CNN filter, your Fox News filter, your Democrat filter, your Republican libertarian filter. You take all of that, okay, and you set it aside for 40 minutes. Okay, can you do that? All right, because you're going to hear some things today and you're going to say, oh, I think he's talking about this. I think he's trying to refer to this, this position or this side or the other side. And I just want to go ahead and say at the outset, whatever I say today is going to be super duper clear that will not need any extra interpretation. Okay? So, can you do that for 40 minutes? You know, at the end of the service, if you want to pick your filter up at the door, okay, whatever filter you've got, you can go ahead and pick it up and take it with you. But I just want to say this, the filter we're going to talk about today is a much, much, much better filter than the one that's out there, out there in the world. And I want to offer you today God's perspective on our nation and God's perspective on how to run a nation, how to run a life, 
And so I, I want to offer to you a better, a better filter. You ready for that? Here it is, uh, a verse, Psalm 33. David said this, and he said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. I got to say this at the outset because uh, I'm a son of an immigrant from uh, the, the country of Cuba, and my parents fled, some of you know this, but they fled Cuba in 1959 to escape tyranny and the taking of possession of all their goods and their family, losing all their rights. So to me, the United States of America, that flag over there means a lot to me and my family. I am grateful because this, this just for me, okay, maybe you don't believe this about the United States of America, but I, I believe the United States of America has been blessed by God. And I believe God initially wanted to use our nation to help the world. But as you know, we're in a very pivotal time right now in our nation. And it parallels with us as a church. So I want to talk about today, uh, what I'm going to talk about today has nothing to do with the political arena and all the stuff that's going on in the news and the back and forth and all of that. But what I'm going to talk about today has everything to do with the political arena and all the stuff that's being talked about in the news. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? You know what I love and you know what you probably love and you don't even know it about our nation is this what we're going to talk about, the Bill of Rights. Uh, I love our country because we have rights that most countries do not have, right? And it's, it's a blessing. Our liberties, okay, our liberties that we have, our rights that we have, that we, we, we believe. Some of you guys know some of these, some of you may not. Here it is, uh, freedom of speech. So today I can say whatever I want to say in my lesson. And you can come up to me afterwards and you can say whatever you want to say and whatever you thought. Okay, you can get on your blog and you can say whatever you want to say about whoever you want to say it. You can talk about their mom. You can, you can say profanities. You can do all kinds of things. That is the right that's been given. And on that blog, you can block somebody and say, I'm, I'm, you're out and they can block you, and on and on and on. That's what freedom of speech is, freedom of press, uh, that, that, that we can write, uh, uh, you know, people uh, can write news articles, editorials, commentaries on anything. This is a huge one for us. Look at what we're doing right now. Freedom of assembly. We can meet together here and, and talk about God, talk about our country, okay? We can talk about our country. Do you know that in a lot of countries, you can't do that without government permission? You have to ask for permission to meet like this. And you have to send them the notes of what you're going to talk about. I'd have to send in my PowerPoint presentation to the government, and they'd have to approve it. Okay, you can have that meeting if you talk about that. Do not leave the text of what you're about to talk about. This is real. We experienced this uh, in, in, in a conference not too long ago in a, in a country in Asia. That all the speeches, content had to be approved by the government before they could be said. So we are a blessed nation. Do you agree? Bear arms. Notice the spelling. No. 
This is even weirder the way it's written uh, in, in the original. Bear arms, like a, a bear. But you know what this is all about. And this is a heated conversation in our country. But it's a right that our forefathers wanted us to have. Due process. Jury trial. Anybody got jury duty this week? Are you, are you not... In a couple of weeks, maybe you got jury duty or you're not fired up about it. You should be because to be tried by a a jury of your peers is an incredible blessing because you can can get justice, okay? That's a huge thing. Search and seizure is one of our rights. Cruel and unusual punishment is not allowed in our country. Uh, And quartering, you'll be glad about this, quartering of soldiers. You don't have to do that. Okay, you don't have to have soldiers come at any time they want and stay at your house. Say, no, no, that's one of my rights. So these, this is awesome. Now, our forefathers knew in the 21st century that our rights would change. Okay, so what do you think if we were to rewrite the, the laws, uh, you know, or the Bill of Rights for today, the 21st century? What would you think would be some of the, the, the rights that we deserve now in the 21st century? How about the teens? Don't you just think that everyone deserves to have free Wi-Fi? That should be on the Bill of Rights. Everybody should have free Wi-Fi, right? That would come in there. That probably would, if we were to write it now, uh, free Wi-Fi for all, okay? That, that'd be cool. Uh, free education, right? That should be on the Bill of Rights for some of you. College students, you would love that. Okay? You could stay in college for 20 years and not have to pay for it. And your parents would be a lot happier too. Okay? Free health care, on and on and on. There's a lot of things that we would put in this, and our forefathers were so smart, they knew they created what they called the Ninth Amendment to include the future. Because they knew times would change and people would need, uh, they would need to extend this, to add to this. Look at what it says here. Old English. Ninth Amendment. The enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall be considered to deny or disparage others, others' rights retained by the people. Do you understand that? Okay, most of you don't. Let me, let me put it in today's English, okay? Much plain English amended to the 21st century. The right to do what I want, right to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as it doesn't interfere with anyone else's amended Ninth Amendment rights. That's essentially what it's saying. I can do whatever I want as long as it doesn't mess with the rights of someone else. And their rights. That's what. So they left the door open for us to create new rights in the future. We're a com- country of rights. Okay? A lot of countries don't have that. You need to appreciate it. Okay? And, and, but one of the things you've got to understand about rights is, is exactly what they were trying to infer in this. Individual rights must be coupled with what? Individual responsibility. Every parent knows this. If you give, every parent knows this, if you give your child rights without responsibility, it will go horribly, horribly wrong. Okay? You know what I'm talking about, parents? All right? 
You can have your rights. Parents, uh, how, many, how many of you uh, as parents, when you were younger, your parents gave you the keys, right? They gave you the keys to the car, right? Here you go. Here's the keys. And then they took them away. You had your right, but you lost your right. Okay? You lost your right. Why? Why? Because you were not responsible. You were not responsible with your rights. So the rights that you have, you've lost them. Okay? Now, here's, here's an interesting thing. We have the Bill of Rights, but let me ask you, why in our, all of our government documents, why is there no Bill of Responsibility? Ever thought about that? There's no bill of responsibility. Why did they leave that out? And I'm going to explain to you why they left it out and why it wasn't needed during that time and why you and I need to come to an awakening of the difference between the way they thought and the way we think in the 21st century. This is huge. These are three assumptions that the forefathers Thought And how do we know how they thought? Because our forefathers, around the time of our American Revolution, wrote a ton. Okay, it would be the equivalent of they wrote a ton of emails. And we have all their emails, all their journal entries, everything that they wrote, we have it documented. So by reading through all those documents, stay with me, teens. I don't want to lose you because this is really important. It's going to affect you. And college students, too, you stay off the online stuff and try to pay attention because this could change everything for you and your future. They had three assumptions, and it just poured out of their writings when they wrote what they wrote. Number one is, this was the first assumption that all of our forefathers had, a consensus of conscience. In other words, every single one of our forefathers had a conscience that had been sensitized and trained through biblical principles. They were all faith-based, every single one of them. And so they all had an agreement, hey, you and I agree, we think the same, we all believe in God, and we believe in God's moral laws. So they were on the same page. They had a conscious, all of us have a sensitized conscience, not a conscience that's dull and burned with a hot iron. They also, the second assumption is they had a, an, a sense of divine accountability. So they knew that what they did was going to be judged by God. In fact, they wrote that many times, that what we do with this country, God's going to call us into account. And so they believed in a divine accountability. They have to answer to God for what they do and how they act. And number three, individual expression governed by concern for other individuals. I have my rights, but who do I put first when I think about my rights? Other individuals. See, you got to understand this. They just came out of a war with England. Any idea how many soldiers were killed in the American Revolution? 50,000. Now, that may not seem like a big number to you today because we're a country of 330 million citizens, right? But they were only 2.5 million in population. 50,000 is a huge number to a country that size. 
That's a lot of people. So they understood this idea that individuals don't matter as much as the common everybody together. Are you with me so far? This is the way that they thought. So let's get in the head of one of our forefathers, John Adams, and see what what he said. Okay? John Adams. Okay? This is what he said. Our Constitution, okay, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to to the government of any other. What do you get from this? You take God out of it. You take moral values from the Bible out of it. The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution will not work. It will be a ultimate galactic failure. I want you to look at the Declaration of Independence. Look at how they wrote this, our forefathers. We hold these truths to be self-evident, meaning what? It's obvious. It's obvious to all of us. We understand this, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain enable rights. So where do the rights come from? Do the rights come from government? No. The rights don't come from government. The rights come from God. See, they understood this. They, they understood this freedom that we have in the United States of America does not come from us, the big shots who are writing this. It comes from God, and we want to pass it on to the people of this great nation. So they understood God is involved in everything that we do and everything we think. So they have enabling rights among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What a powerful document. Now, as we go to John Adams, I want you to know something about John Adams. Even though slavery was legal at the time that he was vice president, two terms, first vice president under George Washington, he was our second president. But John Adams, because of his biblical conviction, never owned a slave and was completely against slavery early and on in our nation's birth. Where did that come from? right here. And so when he says this, he's saying no country can be governed right if you don't include God and religion. In other words, faith in God. Somebody help that baby back there. Now here's the point that he's trying to make, or here's the struggle in our nation. When my rights infringe upon your rights, who's to say who's right? Big question, right? If your rights are stepping on my toes, then who's going to decide for us who's right? And the answer is, if rights collide, the courts decide. If rights collide, the courts decide. That's the actual way of events right now. See, in our nation in the 21st century, God's not in the discussion anymore. It's the court. So I'm going to take you to court. If your rights collide with my rights, we're going to court. I sue you. Well, you sue me, I sue you. And it goes on and on and on. And guess what happens? 
we have to have more and more laws. And why do we have to have more laws? Because we got to make sure we cover every base, every, every option, every possibility. And, and I appreciate the fact that we're a nation of laws, okay? A lot of countries don't have all the laws that we have, but we have so many laws, and there are more laws coming. And here's the problem with laws. Here's the problem with laws. Laws represent the minimum requirement. Laws basically tell me, how low can you go? Let me give you an example. Laws say, how fast can I go on the freeway before I get caught, before I get a ticket? Laws say, how many tickets can I get before I lose my license? Right? The laws say, I can sleep with any, any other consenting adult whoever I want, whenever I want, even if I'm married, because the law says it's okay. Does the law inspire us? No, the law doesn't inspire greatness, excellence, or virtue. We look at the law and we say, okay, how many drinks can I have before I get pulled over for a DUI? The tax laws, do they inspire us to be generous? Man, I just want to give to our government. No, no, no. When you have laws, guess what you do with laws? You look for ways around them. You look for loopholes. And let me tell you this. Laws do not inspire marriage fidelity. Laws do not inspire men to be great. They actually put things out there so that men don't take responsibility, but look for the minimum. How low, how low can I go? How much can I do and get away with it? How can I find my way around this? And so I'm going to get a lawyer, and I'm going to get a CPA, and I'm going to find my way around everything. That's what's happening. And that's the dilemma when you're a nation that is guided and driven by laws and God and no longer, what's the result? Individual rights are regulated by the law. Individual rights are regulated by the law. Do you know what this does? This inspires exceeding over-the-top selfishness. This inspires me to be as selfish as I can and take advantage of things as much as I can. It's all about who? Me. My rights. What can I get away with? You know, let's look at a, a homeowner's association. Does a homeowner's association inspire you to be a great neighbor? Pfft, absolutely not. Does a marriage license inspire you to have a great marriage? No. The law doesn't do this. And it's a sad state of affairs. See, rights become an exercise of power versus an exercise of responsibility. What's the end? Here it is. 
This is not 4-8. Let me just go ahead and tell you. This is not. This is 8-4, the guys that were here last week and been following the series. In the end, this is what happens. The rich will rule the, the, rich will rule the poor. Women will, will, are a commodity. Children are victims. If it's legal, it's moral. Law informs conscience. Everybody looks for a loophole. Sound familiar? Take a real good look at the United States of America. Not 4-8, is it? See, we've got to be honest about the state of our nation. See, because we're taking God out of it. Our forefathers never intended that. They never, they never imagined that. Take God out of it? Really? Take moral values? Take divine accountability out of it? Take, take the, the law of all laws out of it and say, no, 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 we don't believe in this anymore. What did John Adams say? It won't work. That great risk that they took in giving us one of the most incredible documents, ways to run a government in the history of mankind would fail miserably. Now, this doesn't inspire, does it? Now, this could be a turning point for you. This could be a turning point for us. Okay? Now, here, here, let me just be honest with you. I believe, this is Peter Garcia, my view on the nation. We are so far down the railroad tracks, there's no way to come back. Our laws are no longer attached with God and his divine morality and accountability. That train's left the station. There's no way to get it back. That's sad. No candidate, no candidate, no law is going to fix this nation because we're too far down the road. I'm sorry to be so negative, but that's how I see it. And if you open your eyes, you'll see it too. That's a sad state of affairs. But here's the great turning point. Here's the inspiration. And here's the reason for the title. You can be the difference. We can be the difference as a church. And, and so it's so important for you and I to step back and go, okay, so I, I know what kind of filter our country's using. What kind of filter am I using? How am I going to view the world? And how am I going to approach church, life, community, work, family? This could be a huge turning point for all of us. And our example as, as followers of Jesus is more important today than any other time in the history of the United States. And that's why it's so important, and I want to, I if I could look at every single one of you in the eye at one time, and just me and you in one room sitting across the table with coffee in front of us, and I could just look you in the eye and tell you and get you to understand, you are vital to our nation's future. Then there's hope for change, huge hope. Now, I want to tell you about the Apostle Paul. There was a similar dynamic that was happening in the church in Galatia. Galatia was a Gentile, okay, a Gentile place. Uh, they were non-Jewish. Go ahead and say it with me, non-Jewish people. 
They were non-Jewish people. Guess, who they, guess what we have in common with them, even though we're meeting in a synagogue? I'm not Jewish. Okay? And so these Jewish, non, the Jewish Christians were the first ones, and they believed in the practice of the Old Testament laws. The new Christians came in, and they were under the new covenant, which was a new set of laws that Jesus instituted. And so they came in and said, hey, I got freedom in Christ. I don't have to practice what they do. And the, and the, and the, the Jews were freaking out, saying, no, 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 you guys got to do all this. Circumcision, you got to do all of that. And then, and then, no, we don't. And Paul's trying to resolve this tension. And so he singles out the church in Galatia because they were abusing their freedom, their liberties. Look at what he says. You, my brothers and sisters, we were called to be free. Amen? United States of America, we were called to be free. A nation of the free, land of the free, home of the brave. But do not use your freedom to do what? To indulge yourself, your flesh. You got to understand, you got a responsibility to the people around you. What you do affects everybody else. And so he's trying to get these Jewish, non Jewish Christians to understand don't abuse what Jesus has given you. He set you free. Don't abuse it. Verse 13 But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather, here's what he says here's the fix. Here's how we fix it. Okay, you paying attention? You awake? You with me? The barbecue is ready. It's waiting. The hot dogs are going to be there when you get home. Okay, listen. Serve one another humbly in love. You want to fix this country? You want to fix our church? Some of you got, you come to me and you tell me, man, I, I see a problem with the church. And I agree. I agree. What's wrong with the church? We're not willing to serve one another. It's all about me. Hey, don't you understand that I'm free? No one can tell me what to do. I can come if I want. I can be late if I want. I can stay home if I want. Doesn't matter. I'm free. Now, really? Is that, is that serving one another in humility? Humility says this, you're more important than me. Oh, that's not American. That's not American. American is, American is, I'm more important than you. No, 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 that's not biblical. He goes on. Now he just pulls it all together. If you were to summarize this whole book of the Bible, if we could just summarize it all in just a few words, here it is. Here it is. If you want to change the world, change the nation, here's what you do. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one, one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how, when you go to a restaurant, how do you want to be treated? I know how I want to be treated. Miguel said it. I want to be treated like a king. I get there, I want to see a smile. I want to hear, yes, sir, what can I do for you? Right? 
I want her or him to snap to it and let's go. Table for four. In a booth, please. Away from all the, all the commotion. And I want the waiter or the waitress to come right away. That's how I like it. How do you like it? Similar, right? Let's be realistic. Is that the way it comes? But we like what we like. How do you like to be treated? I like to be treated awesome. So if I like to be treated awesome, how should I treat other people? If I like to be loved, you know what I'm talking about? If I want to be loved, if I want people to be loving to me, how should I treat other people? I feel like the church needs to be more loving. Well, where does it start? Right there in the mirror. Okay, that's what Paul's saying. Husbands, husbands, treat your wife like it's your first date. Wives, treat your husband like he's that knight in shining armor when you first saw him. Not the knucklehead that he's become over all these years. Okay, how do you want to be treated? Treat him. Sisters who are single, how do you want to be treated? Special. Then treat him as special. Brothers, how do you want to be treated? If you're single, how do you want to be treated? With respect. Then treat her with respect. Honor her. Honor them. Treat her as you would your own sister. Honor her in complete holiness. You get what I'm saying? Okay? You go to work. How would you want to be treated by your boss? You're the boss now. Okay? Treat him the way you would want to be treated. Okay? If you just do this, Paul's saying, it could change everything. But what if they don't treat me the way I want to be treated? doesn't matter. You still do what's right. You still do the right thing because you believe in a God who holds you accountable and you answer to him. You don't answer to anybody else. People are going to see that and go, man, what's wrong with you? What drug are you taking? You know, I got to get some of that. Whatever it is you're on, I got to get some of that. But look at what he says. He goes on and says this in verse 15. This is strong. But if you bite and devour each other, it's like Paul even could see into the future of the United States of America. He's looking into the future of the, of the church of the 21st century. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be what? Destroyed. By who? Let me ask you a question. Who is the greatest threat to the United States of America and its citizens? Isn't it terrorists? The people that hate us? That's what the news media is pumping out 24-7. Hey, you need to watch out. They're coming for you. They can walk in that door and shoot you. Yeah, they might. And we need to be careful with that. We need to have our, our security ready. We need to be paying attention but what's our greatest threat? America, Americans, Americans are America's biggest problem. You know what our biggest problem is today? Americans. 
how we treat each other. Let me take it a step further. Christians within the church are the church's biggest problem. Okay, now I got to say this, guests. We're so glad you're here, but I, I just want you to know, I want you to know this about church. I want you to know this about church. All churches, I've been to a lot of churches over the last 30 years of all shapes and sizes, colors and cultures. The greatest threat is not somebody coming in from the outside and splitting the church. The greatest threat to the church is right in this room, right on that internet, watching online. So what do we got to deal with then? As Americans, as church members, where does it start? Happy Fourth of July. <laughs> right? No, no, no. It starts with us. It starts with us. Okay, so I want to I wanna leave you with some application. This is where you're going to need to get the pen and paper out or get your fingers busy on the phone. Take these down. This is so important. I want to leave you with something before we finish here today. Okay? Some new amendments, all right? This is how we're going to fix the United States of America. This is how we're going to fix the church. We're waiting for something or someone to do it for us, but it starts with us. It starts with the decision that you and I make together today to be different. Number one, do what is just, not what I can justify. Do what is just, not what I can justify. It is not how low can I go? What can I get away with? How uncommitted can I be to the church and still be a member and still keep my heaven insurance? What can I get away with as a college student in the campus ministry? What can I get away with? What's the minimum as a single, as a married as a mature adult, what can I get away with? Do, do, do what's just. How do you know what's just? Okay? I'm going to say something together. You go into a situation and you say, how can I help? Okay, let's say it together. Okay, we haven't said it in a while. Let's say it together. How can I help? Hey, teenagers, you want to take control of your family? I know you do. You want control. You want to rule the family, right? Okay, you want to do that? Here's the answer. Mom, hey mom, what can I do to help? Oh man, she's going she's gonna to give you everything you want. You're going to be her little angel, right? She'll give you whatever you want. Oh, he's so sweet, he's so good, and you will rule the world. <laughs> College students, you want your professors? help you out? How can I help? Husbands, I know it'll shock your wife to hear you say this. Come home from a long day of work and say, honey, what can I do to help? Man, she's going to love you. See, that's what's right. Do what's right. Okay, so you with me? Employees, go to work tomorrow and don't think about you and how tired you are or Tuesday, sorry, tomorrow's your day off. 
Go to work on Tuesday. Ask your boss. Ask your coworkers. And I know they don't realize it and they don't appreciate it, but go in there and say, hey, before I get started with my job, is there anything I can do to help you? Boy, they're going to go, what, what is, what, what are you, what did you do this weekend? Okay? What kind of Kool-Aid are you drinking? Number two. Do what is responsible, not what is permissible. Do what is responsible, not what is permissible. Okay, so I want to talk about a number of things. How late can I get to church and still check the box? Why is it now? Just take a look around. Hold on. I'm not putting anybody on blast now. Just close your eyes if you're in the back. Why is the back fuller than the front? Now, I, I, hey, let me give, let some people off the hook. Some of them got a bad back, and, and they got to sit in those nice, comfortable green chairs. But some of you, and if you're a guest, I'm not talking to you. You come in anytime you want, sit wherever you want. I'm talking to our members. Members. Are you trying to get away with something and still say, oh, yeah, I'm a member. I'm, I'm going to give in the contribution the minimum. Not, the, not, 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 not what is responsible, not what's best, not, not, not the, the highest. Okay, let's talk to singles a little bit. Now, let me just say this. If you're not ready to take responsibility for your actions, then don't do it. Don't do it. Don't cross that line. But let me say this. If you're dating in our church, who are you dating? What kind of example are you leaving for everyone else? See, what I do affects people around me. So I have to be careful where I am and what I do and what I say because I know people are watching. And I don't want to leave a bad example. I understand responsibility. It's huge. But what about everybody else? Are you being a great example? Or are you trying to get away with what's permissible? I can do this. Welcome to the United States of America. I can, I can. It's my rights. I can do what I want, when I want, with who I want, when I want. See, let's just say this together. That's my responsibility. Okay, let's say it together. That's my responsibility. See, if you live your life with that mentality, I mean, you're going to live differently. You're going to walk around and go, man, I, I got a responsibility to my, my fellow teens. I got a responsibility to be a great example. Well, I don't want that. Then you're not ready for this. And you're not ready to make this nation great. You're going to be part of the problem instead of the solution. College students, that's my responsibility. I have to be here. I have to serve in VBS. I have to, I have to help because it's my responsibility. It's on me. This church is my church. It's not Peter's church. It's not David's church. It's not Mike's church. This is God's church, and I'm responsible for it. And let me just say this. There are a number of people. That guy sitting back there in a the chair scratching his chin, Steve Shirelicki, he's here at 7 a.m. every Sunday. Every Sunday, opening the temple, setting things up. You know why? Because that's his responsibility. 
But when it comes to asking somebody else to help, that's not my responsibility. No, 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 let's change it. Go on, say it again. That's my responsibility. It's awesome. It's power. It's powerful. Do what's moral, not what's modeled. Do what's moral, not what's modeled. What is immorality? Okay, we'll start with sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Is it not clearly defined in Scripture? What is promiscuity? What is, what is lewdness? Okay, what, 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 is, what is lustful? What is sinful? What is pornography? Well, it's everywhere. You don't understand. I can't get away with it. It's on the billboards. It's here. It's there. Look at the way they dress. Look at the, what the, what, look what's in style. Look at what's, look at what's in vogue. If you want to get attention, you got to show a little more. That's what's modeled. How about doing what's moral? And the only place you're going to find morals is in God's Word because our society, the morals are changing every day. They switch it. Oh, that's out. This is in. This is what's good. This is what's right. So, sisters, treat the brothers in a way that's right. Brothers, treat the sisters the way that's right. Husbands, employees, do the same thing. And so, this is so important. It's really, really clear. No matter what's going on around us, we still got to focus on what God expects of us. And last, honor God. Honor God. Does this, here's the question, what would be most honoring to God? If this does not, whatever it is, if this does not honor God, don't do it. Think about this. If we do these three things as a people, how could it change? And let me just say, our nation is not lost. Our nation is awesome because there are so many Christians that are walking the walk, living the life, and blow away, blow away. Man, I, 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 you know what? I love it when people try to criticize Christianity today because I go, you don't even know the story. Do you know the majority of benevolent work around the world is not done by governments? It's done by faith-based organizations? who do it because they know they have a responsibility before God to give people clean water, health care, show compassion. Our own arm organization, Hope Worldwide, do you know where Hope Worldwide serves? They serve in the pipeline of Syrian refugees going to Europe. They're right there on that pipeline offering people water, health care, aid. If somebody needs to go to a hospital, they got an ambulance that they just got so they can transport those people. They're Muslims. What's a Christian organization doing serving Muslims? It don't matter. It doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. We're going to serve you. We're going to help you. Why? You know, these two young men, I'm so proud of you guys for going and serving on Hope Youth Corps. Because what they learned in Hope Youth Corps is invaluable. I honor God by helping my fellow mankind with no strings attached. That's how I honor God. If we all could do that. Now, here's another powerful thing I want to share with you. A year ago, in South Carolina, 
a young man named Dylan Roof shot and killed nine African-American churchgoers. It was a hate crime. It was disgusting. It was awful. It was one of the most darkest times in our nation. You know what was incredible about the court hearing just a few days later? They put Dylan on a TV screen in the courtroom and all the family members whose, whose, whose family members had been assassinated at a Bible study that they welcomed him in and they served him and they loved him and they said, come on in, you are welcome here. doesn't matter your color. Come on in. Every single one of the family members in that courtroom said, I forgive you. You want to make a statement that will change the world? Forgive somebody. There was one person in particular that said something, and I want to quote it to you. Reverend Anthony Thompson, he lost his wife that day. She was the one leading the Bible study. And Dylan killed her in cold blood. Look at what he said after losing his beloved wife. He's a reverend. He says, I forgive you, and my family forgives you. But we would like to take this opportunity, we would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent. Confess, give your life to the one that matters most, Jesus Christ. Whoa, 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 whoa. Anthony, Reverend, you're inviting this murderer, this hater into the same faith? You mean if he leans into Jesus, he's going to be forgiven? He's going to be in heaven with us? What are you doing? What are you saying? That's just crazy. What would make someone do that? And he says, so he can change you. He can change your ways no matter what happened to you, and you will be okay. This is crazy talk. This is the talk of someone who knows I answer to God and God has been merciful to me and I love my God and I want to honor him today. This is one of the brightest lights of our nation. The power to forgive. The power to love people who are unlovable and some of us walk around with a chip on our shoulder because somebody didn't treat us nicely. Well, you didn't say hi to me today. I didn't get treated special in my small group, so I'm not going back anymore. Really? I mean, it's, just, it's crazy, guys. I want you to imagine a, 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 a country where you come to an intersection and nobody goes. No, 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 after you. After you. No, after you. And we just sit there. We sit there for an hour. No, 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 no. You go. 
You go. And then you get the policeman there, and he says, all right, I want you to go over there. No, 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 officer, she's more important. Officer, and they get out of the car, and they go, here's an apple for you, officer. You know, I mean, can you imagine a nation like that? Our forefathers did. They dreamed of a nation. What would lead someone to do this after such an awful situation? This is how the church can shine. This is how you and I can make a difference in this dark world where you say, there's no hope, there's no hope, it's all lost. We got this candidate and this candidate and they're all corrupt and they're all a mess. Hey, welcome to reality. But you can change everything. Why did Reverend Anthony Thomas do what he did and said what he said? Because Jesus said it. Look at what Jesus said when he's on the cross. They were sneering at him. They were cursing. And they were blaspheming him. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. They don't understand, but they will. I have faith. Many of these same haters are going to become followers. So right now we're going to take the communion, and I want to encourage you to remember what Jesus did for you on the cross and make a decision that you are going to make the United States of of America great again and that you're going to let God use you to change the world. That's why there's hope. That's why tomorrow you can celebrate and say, I'm free, and I'm going to use my freedom to change this world. I'm going to use my freedom to do right, to serve, to help, to make things better, not worse, because I'm free to do that. I don't have to follow the crowd. I'm going to follow Jesus. And if you've got a grievance with anybody, this is Jesus' advice to you. Let him go. Let him go because you'll set yourself free. Let's pray for the communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for our country. Thank you for the way it was built with the faith in you and the conviction. And we pray, God, that you will please help us as a church to repent and be what we need to be to make our nation great. Father, I know there are a lot of needs in our church, but it starts with those of us who are here Please help us to repent and do what is right for you, for your sake. Independent of what anybody else thinks or does, it's all about you. Father, we lift up Jesus right now as we remember what he did for us on the cross, his body, his blood that were poured out for us. Hear us, forgive us, and give us a new start, a turning point. Thank you for Jesus. We lift him up. Amen.